Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome to Worship at OCC. My name is Josh, and, and I'm excited to get this new series launched and We're going to be looking in the next four weeks at some of the worst decisions in the Bible, four of the worst decisions in the Bible, and I'm sure you can bring to your mind some of those in your own life. I've got a set of decisions that I sort of think back to, and I sort of just wish I could go back and, and sort of redo that day or redo that hour. You know, there's decisions that we all made that we think, I could just go back and, and, and do this over. All sorts of pain could have been avoided and spared. For me, if, if I'm thinking the thought, you know, I just, I'm just going to go and look. I'm not going to buy. I'm just going to go look. If that's my thought process, usually it doesn't end well. But I admit, I made plenty of bad decisions in my lifetime. I've made hasty decisions because I maybe I just wasn't thinking through all of the ramifications of, of this desire that I've really got to, I've got to have this one thing. And so in this series of messages, we're going to be dissecting the components of bad decisions. What does the Bible say about that so that we can learn how to make better decisions? In fact, if we could, let's figure out how to make wise decisions. Because the Lord doesn't want us to just get stuck on a Ferris wheel of bad decisions. If you've ever ridden a Ferris wheel, it's not the most exciting ride in the theme park. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you've got roller coasters with extreme. This is not that. I mean, even if they try to liven it up and do something different on a Ferris wheel, it's usually, you know, it's just people aren't like, ah, when you see them coming around the bottom, they're like, ah, I mean, maybe kids, but most of the time by a few spins, you're like, all right. But in our decisions, we kind of have this Ferris wheel experience where we keep, why is it we keep making the bad decision after decision? Like we, we, it's like the same sometimes year or decade over again and again. The Bible actually warns us about this. Look at Proverbs 26 verse 11. It's a graphic picture. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I have a dog. I don't know why my dog likes to eat some food and then throw it up right next to the bowl. It's gross. And I don't know why I leave the bowl next to our kitchen table. (laughs) But, you know, I'm like, I don't want to clean it up. And she doesn't want me to. My dog, she, doesn't want me to do it either because she's going to come back and eat that thing at some point. It's gross. So I ask myself the same question. I don't know why I made that decision. And others can probably look and say, I don't know why he's making that bad decision. But we go back to the same things. Oftentimes it's because we never really stop and dissect what we just did and and, and learn from it. So we're going to look in the Bible at a man's life. His name is Esau. I'm going to look at his bad decision. So you can read this in Genesis chapter 25. I've got some verses to sort of set this up before we look at the verses uh, in the outline. So I want to read a little bit of the previous, the verses that precede the passage. So it says that Isaac married a man or a woman named Rebecca and, and they became, they were, she was pregnant and Esau, this is Esau's parents, Esau 
is a twin. So it says that of him and his brother, that the babies were jostling inside of their, their mother. And so they're, and she asked the Lord, why is this happening? There's all this activity. She's pregnant. There's a lot of extra movement. And so she goes to the Lord and says, what's, what's going on with me? And the Lord told her that there are two nations inside of your womb. There are two nations. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And so she gets this from the Lord, and then in verse 24 it says, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Now that's that's just explains the wrestling. There's a lot going on inside, but there's this wrestling even inside the room. There's a lot of jostling, and actually this is what would play out. So then we come to these verses. Verse uh 25, it says, the first to come out was red. You, you can hold off on that one still. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So get that picture in your mind. You know, sometimes babies are red when they come out. But this baby was really red and really hairy. And so if you're a parent and you're like, what are we going to name him? Do we go with red? Do we go with hairy? And so they named him Harry, which the word Esau means hairy. Oh, <laughs> you're not ever going to shake that, Mr. Harry. I mean, this is just, this is, this is who you will be. You're, you're Esau, which in Hebrew means Harry. Then it says in verse 26, after this, his brother came out. So the twin comes out with his hand grasping Esau's Harry heel. It doesn't say Harry heel. I'll just add that in there. <laughs> his heel. Okay, he's like gripping his brother's heel, and so he was named Jacob. The word Jacob in the Hebrew actually means he grasps the heel, the heel grasper. Okay, and and it says Isaac was sixty years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So they're later in in life when they have these twins, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, this, this heel grasper, it's interesting. These two characters who were wrestling in the womb really were, would feud for the rest of their lives. As you see their stories play out, you see, you see, uh, this is not coincidental what's happening even at birth. Uh, this hairy brother who's really a, a warrior and a hunter, that probably a real strong, intimidating character, Esau, and then you have Jacob who is smooth skinned, and, and pretty slick. Uh, he, he's grasping his brother's heel. Uh, there's actually a wrestling move. I wrestled growing up and, and there's generally two different kinds of wrestlers. One or, one or is real technical and one is just like brute strength, maybe with a little bit of technique, but the brute strength guy's got a lot of intimidation. In my mind, I can see Esau and Jacob. And Esau is sort of this brute strength. He comes up to the line and he just wants to tear your head off. And you're intimidated by this guy. He's hairy. He, <laughs> And in high school, when you had an overly hairy wrestler, that was also intimidating. <laughs> and then you got this Jacob brother who is like, he's, uh, he's not, he's not trying to intimidate, but he's thinking a few steps ahead of you. And you gotta watch those guys too in wrestling. And one of the most impressive moves are these guys that can do what's called an ankle pick. And for some of you that have watched wrestling or any MMA or, you know, you see the guys that know how to pick an ankle. It's they're setting up a move and they're, they're not just coming in like a bull. They're, they're really looking for an opportunity and they're trying to get you to move in a position and then they're going to pick your ankle real quick. They call it like a low single. And this is actually something that it shows up in the story. And so now we've got the verses that you've got in your listing, God, I think. Actually, no, not yet. Verse 27. The boys grew up 
and Esau becomes a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man. Staying among the tents, he was hanging out with the ladies, hanging out with his aunties and his and the girls and, and his sister. You know, it's just he's hanging out there with his mom. And it says he stayed among the tents. But Isaac, this is the father of Jacob and Esau. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, here's the verses that are in your listening guide. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He'd been out hunting, was exhausted, and he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And this is why he was also called Edom. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Well, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is this birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. And so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And it says, later it says, Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank, then got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Now the decision-making principle that we really learn from this incident is this. It's that thinking in the, in the short term has a high price in the long term. Just short-term thinking, short-sighted thinking, immediate-focused thinking has a, has a high price in the long term. I can identify with Esau making, having made several decisions in my life, which later generated problems that added up and cost me a lot more in the long run. So let's review what it is that Esau did. What, was, what, what about this bad decision can we learn from him? Number one, he made the decision when he was exhausted. He was out in the field, he'd been hunting, but he came in, he was tired. Look what the verses say. Again, once Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He's just spent. You ever been there where you're just, you are at the end of your rope. You have not had a lot of good sleep. You've been just, you're getting up early or you're staying up and out really late and you're just exhausted. And in that exhaustion, uh, you don't always... Make the best decision. So he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that stew. I'm famished. This is why he's called Edom, it says. See, when I'm, t- when I'm tired and when I'm hungry, that's sort of a bad combination. We call that hangry, right? You ever been hangry? You're just, that's not a good time to make a major decision. And Esau was, he was in a bad spot. He was so exhausted and famished. He would be willing to trade in his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup, lentil stew. I've got to be honest. Whenever they have samples of lentils or lentil stew or soup at Costco or, or Sam's Club, I mean, I'll try anything else, but I'm not. <laughs> I'll pass on the lentil stew. So, I mean, think of this exchange here. This is not the time for anyone to make a big decision. If you're a lentil lover, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about lentils. Um, I, and I, and my, one of my sons is allergic to lentils, so we just keep lentils out of the house anyway. But I found that when, when my insides are churning for something, whether it's hunger or whether it's just some other kind of pressure or some other kind of desire, I don't see things very clearly. I can be tempted to fix the immediate problem to just gain relief and, and overlook some of the major aspects of, of this decision, especially if a solution seems to promise the relief that I'm, I'm longing for. 
I can easily be deceived in that moment. And so if I'll just take a few steps away from the decision and get a good night's sleep, then I can see things more clearly in the morning. I just need some time to, to think. Number two, the decision was a hasty decision. We see this. Uh, Genesis 25, verse 31, it says, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. See, he's setting them up for the ankle pick. Just sell me your birthright. He just He's getting them in position to where later he can strike. Or to where the brother just falls for it. And Jacob, you know, Esau's twin, he was, he was just this crafty guy. He sees this opportunity to get a high price in exchange for, you know, a bowl of soup. Now Esau was entitled to his birthright. He was the firstborn. He was the first to come out. And because of that, in that culture and custom, the firstborn, this is a big deal. The birthright of the, of the, oldest son would mean that if anything happened to dad, then you would become the leader of the family and you would inherit everything the family owned, or at least most of it. And so as the firstborn Esau, he would receive at least at least twice the inheritance of his younger brother. And so this horrible decision was, you know, he, he traded in this inheritance, again, just for a bowl of soup. Decisions don't get much worse than that. And he made this decision in really a moment's time because he didn't slow down. He gave it in haste. He didn't give it much thought. Third, he lost touch with reality. What did he say? I'm going to die. Look at me. I'm going to die. What good is this birthright to me anyway? I'm going to die. I'm not going to enjoy my inheritance. I'm, this is it. Only a few more breaths and I'm done. I mean, so he's being overdramatic. He's being extra emotional. He's, it's sort of like this picture. This is when we're, you know, when we're young and we're like, oh, I'm hangry, I gotta eat something, I'm gonna die. You probably said, I'm so hungry I could die. But it was years ago that you said this, I'm sure. But we can lose our patience. Have you ever been there? You make a hasty decision because of a, a feeling or an, even an emotion. And our needs and our wants are just pulling us like gravity towards a state of unreality. And so a major factor in making good, wise decisions is to just get in touch with what's really going on here. Get in touch with what, get, get a solid grip on your mind, get a firm grip on, on reality. And so in a, in a moment, in the next half of the message, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about thinking long term and, and really laying out a practical process for how to do that. But we've got to find a way to avoid allowing just the internal state to drive our decisions. When things on the inside are just churning, how do we get past that? I want to show you what God has to say about finding a different way. Here's an interesting detail about Esau's story, though. He gained a nickname from this decision. Look at verse 30. Again, when he says this, he said to Jacob, Quick, let me just have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Have you ever made a decision? Now, the word Edom actually in the Hebrew means red. Red. So remember, he was hairy and he was red. But he got the name Harry. Well, he was also called Edom. And so, have you ever made a decision that, that really has marked your life deeply? Maybe your family or maybe your friends. They, people that know you have given you a nickname tied to the bad decision you've made. 
Maybe you know somebody who, everyone knows this person has this name, this nickname, because of what they did in high school or in college. When you, when you think about it, if you've, if you've earned a nickname through a bad decision and someone says it, maybe as you get older, nobody calls you that anymore, but then that cousin or that uncle says, hey, eat them. And you're like, oh, never going to live this down, that decision. It shakes you up and it starts becoming a part of your identity. See, this is how our past keeps dragging us back and sort of grabbing hold of us and tripping us up. So the good news is this, is that Jesus wants to give you a fresh identity. He wants to give you a whole new identity. And Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone, if any of us are in Christ, he is a new creation. See, the old... we. We lived with this old way of doing life, but that is gone. In Christ, the new has come. You can have a fresh start. If you decide to follow Christ, you can turn a quarter and begin to build a new identity that shows you a better way to where people might say, Esau, man, you're, you're so generous. You, you made some decisions in the past, but man, you're known around here as a generous person. Or Esau... You're you're just so kind. You're always looking. And and when I think of Esau, I always think of kindness. I mean that that's the new story that can be written in our lives because of what Jesus can do. Is he gives us a new identity. And you know, you carry these things, we all carry these things from the past, but he begins to lay out a new path that can just change the future for you. And so if you trust him with your life, he promises to to give you what you need to really anchor your identity in him and get past yourself. Here's a few points out of, out of Proverbs that I want to highlight on as we look at how to, how to make, what's a way to make better decisions? Number one, on how to overcome short-term thinking, be circumspect. This is not, this isn't a common term that we often use, but be circumspect. I want to define what this important term means. Here's the definition. Someone who's circumspect is careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. They're prudent. Basically, you might say, I need to get a 360-degree view around this situation. I need, to, I need to run it through. I need to look at it from every angle and run it further down the road in my thinking. I need to think out into the future. If I do this, what is going to happen? Here's one way for becoming more circumspect. It's try out this process called the 10-10-10 process. This comes from uh, a lady named Susie Welch. She's a columnist. And an author, and she, she talks about when you make any decision, you want to think in terms of 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years. And you'll see the, what the scripture has to say, but this process, it's, it's helpful, it's sticky to get in your mind. But deliberately to think about the consequences of whatever it is you're thinking about doing or deciding in terms of the immediate present. 10 minutes. If I do this, what will be the impact in 10 minutes? Even 10 minutes. What's the impact, you know, right now? And then what about in 10 months, in the, in the near term, in a sense? And then what about in 10 years, in the long term? Just run it through this process. Like, for example, the risky selfie that could cost you your life. You're like, oh, it'd be killer if I did this. And I'm going to dangle over the bars, you know. And people are like, what is he doing? Because we all read about the accidents when people 
out of just this thrill or this desire. And sometimes these can be costly. Or technology. Technology opens up a world of costly desires for us, doesn't it? It just, all sorts of things could go wrong in the 10 minutes after you make that decision with technology, the 10 months, the 10 years. Or you get upset and you're, you're angry, you're at work and your boss or coworkers and you're just done and you're, you're just, I'm done with this. And so you just, I quit. I'm out of here. I quit. And you leave and you call, honey, I quit my job today. It feels really good. She's like, you did? What are we going to do? I don't know, but I feel really good. <laughs> and it starts setting in. Not really, but <laughs> we don't have savings. We don't have a plan. You know, that's that's thinking in the short term. Or that crazy move on the freeway because you're wanting to avoid waiting in line to get, you know, to some concert or something. You're like, I'm going to cut ahead and I'm going to... And you don't see the officer sitting there. They light you up. They write you a ticket. Long-term impact. Or that purchase or that financial commitment that just sounds so great right now. And the deal, it's only going to last right now. If you walk out that door, if you leave this, you know, we're not going to offer this to you again. We'll give it to you for the next 10 minutes. Oh, he looks so trustworthy. I mean, we should believe him. Or you get in an argument with your spouse and you leave in anger. Again, that's, that's a short-term decision that may have a 10-month consequence. Maybe a 10-year consequence or more, depending on what you do after you leave. So these are all just examples of this, the impact of 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years. And we typically only think in the 10-minute, the short-term. And so what this author says is, with every decision, turn it into a question and begin with, should I Blank. So, Esau, should I sell my birthright for a bowl of soup? Hmm. That's helpful to sort of put it in a question, right? When I put it in a question, all of a sudden I'm, I'm able to see this more clearly. Should I quit my job? Should I buy the house with a great backyard but a leaky roof? I'll get around to it someday. Should I keep dating or end it? Should I sign my son up, my daughter up for this sport? Right now, without thinking about the implications, should I just, should I cheat on that paper? Should I plagiarize? I mean, and maybe risk graduation. I mean, to ask the questions and to phrase it in a way where you start drawing up the consequence. And so ask these questions. Should should I? And then you fill in the blank. And then think about, what about the 10 months from now? The foreseeable future. What can I pre- reasonably predict will happen? If I do this. And then the 10 months. And once you've wrestled with these, then analyze. Here's what the Bible actually says. Proverbs 14, verse 8. We'll look at two, two parts of this Proverbs. The Bible says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their way. This is what prudent people do. Is they, they, you know, they're circumspect. They get, a, they get a clear picture of the situation Prudence is a word that really describes someone who has good sense, good judgment. They know the right timing, and so they ask you know, good questions. And they're, they're trying to figure out, is this the best decision at this time, or should I just let it pass? What will be the outcome if I choose this? So see, be circumspect. Look, run around the situation from all the different angles and try to understand it from 
different angles from different points of time. Next, get a grip on reality. Esau didn't take the time to do this. He was going to die. So a key aspect here is just getting the facts. Getting the facts. Avoiding presumption. Sometimes with a decision, we just presume that we, we can see really clearly, but we want to get the facts, and we want to do that in order to face reality. Look at the next part of that Proverbs. It says, you know, the, 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 the prudent are the ones that are they're wise, they give thought to their way. Well, but the folly of fool is deception. This is the flip side of what the wise person does, is they just, they get into a pattern of foolishness. And specifically, the Hebrew word to describe the folly of fools is it's somebody who has an easy, lazy approach to life. The folly of fools, this, this second word, fools there, the Hebrew term is kasil, and it means the easy way or the lazy way. It takes a lot of work to think long term, doesn't it? Like when someone says, hey, have you thought about that decision 10 months from now or 10 years from now? And you're like, no. <laughs> I just need this now. I want this now. Well, why don't you think about this in terms of 10 months from now? What would happen? Uh, I don't know. What about 10 years from now? Uh, and so this verse is, is highlighting a, an approach to life, a strategy in life, which is to take an easy approach, to look for magic keys that unlock our dreams. But this strategy of of taking an easy, lazy approach to life, it actually might be the core of why we keep jumping onto the Ferris wheel and experiencing the same types of, uh, same outcomes from the decisions we make instead of facing reality. Other, others in your life and in my life, they can help us when we go and ask them about our decision to see reality clearly. If you'll step back and call a trusted friend who's further down the road, or who can help you identify maybe even the process of what would come in 10 months or 10 years, they can help you face the facts. They can help you see more clearly. People that know you well, people that know the area of life you're trying to decide upon, people that have more experience, pick up the phone, sit down with them, talk to them about it. You want to get clear on reality. And then third, don't be hasty. Don't be hasty. This is what he gives into. Oftentimes, after a bad decision, I only later realized, man, I got caught up in haste. And I missed something really important. I got so focused on what I needed, and I was trying to hurry through something. Scripture says in Proverbs 19, verse 2, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. You can get all excited about something, start feeling the passion, feeling the burn inside, and I've got to have it, I've got to, I've got to have them. It's now or never, and we just jump without seeing clearly, and, and we miss what God wanted us to see. We miss his way. He's laying out a path he wants us to go in, and we get so focused that we miss the steps he's wanting us to take. And sometimes the painful part is the ripple effect goes beyond not, not just this, this month, but you know this year even, or even just this decade, but it impacts the generations of people alongside of us. That's one of the things you see in the story of Jacob and Esau as well. He forfeited his birthright, and, and there was implications for 
the generations that would flow through his family line versus the generations, the impact that flowed through Jacob's family line. There, there is huge implications of our decisions in the long run. So in our decision-making, it's always best also to just consider my high-level priorities. Here's a fourth piece of this. Think through, what are my major priorities in life? What's most important? What do I value most in life? And does this decision lead towards keeping those priorities in the right order? Or will this jeopardize my ability to keep my priorities? Because oftentimes we make decisions without ever thinking about how does this fit with the things that I say are most important. Esau, he despised his birthright. He forfeited something so weighty, he lost sight of the next generation and what would impact them through this decision. Um, This is how decisions work. They're so weighty. There's so much at stake. And so many of us in this room are standing at the crossroads of so many decisions. There's a handful of things that are coming to our minds that we know, if I decide well, this could be really good. This could be the key to all sorts of progress in my life. But if I handle this carelessly, this could be very, very costly. And so I hope this has been helpful because we've got decisions coming up in our own lives. We just, and they're weighty. And so I want to encourage us all, let's take this perspective to heart. And if today, if you find yourself discouraged from the past decisions, like Esau and the nickname he gained from choosing the soup, if there's things like that in your mind that this just stirs back up, just encourage you to remember Jesus is able to redeem your past. He's able, he redeemed, to redeem someone means to buy them back. And that's what Jesus did. On the cross, he, he bought, he made a way for you to be bought back. To connect with, with God personally. To have a new story written. And he did so much to redeem us. And so as I invite the worship team to join me back up on stage, I want us to consider the, some of the next steps today. As we, as we think through this. So let, let's run a current decision through the 10-10-10 process. That's the first next step. Maybe think about a pressing decision. Maybe the most pressing decision. What if you were to, to really wrestle it through? Should I blank? What would be the impact in 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years? Already this morning, just different people, have, have, as I've been interacting and talking to people about their decisions, this is just a powerful tool to use, to give thought to your way, like the Proverbs says. Second, get clear on what it means to follow Jesus personally. On the back of your connection card, there's a spot on the back where you can request more information to learn how to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, really, we would love to to share what that means and really help you get clear on that. We want to clarify, so if you're investigating Christianity, that you can that you can have a conversation uh, with one of our leaders. And so if you mark that box on the back of your connection card about learn how to begin a relationship with Jesus, following Jesus, uh, we'll follow up with you this week. And then third, to attend next Sunday. We're going to look at another horrible decision that has, again, real similar outcomes. And so in order to learn, in order to dissect that and understand how does this fit in my world, in my decisions that I'm approaching even right now in my life. And so I hope you'll join us next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the examples of real people. God, even though they lived a long time ago, we can, we can see ourselves in these stories where we choose 
the immediate over what is best. And Father, we've all been guilty of that. So God, I pray that as this maybe has brought to our minds some of our past failures, I pray that we would we would keep bringing those to you, Lord. We would turn to you, God. If we've never done that, I pray for those that are here that would say, I've not, I've not ever really yielded my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm still trying to to run my life, and, and I'm wrestling through my past hurts and failures, and, and I haven't quite found a solution. So I pray for those, Lord, that they would turn to you. They would investigate the relationship with, with you, God, through your son, Jesus. For those that are here that are still maybe struggling with the past, I pray that they would once again just uh, remind themselves, call to mind the forgiveness that you've already offered to us and rest in that. Uh, to not let guilt and shame beat us down. But Father, I also just pray for those that are wrestling through decisions here this morning. Major decisions. Lord, help us not to minimize the power of our decisions. They will have tremendous impact. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to identify one or two ways we could apply this message to our life this week. Would you help us to to spend some time, even now as we're reflecting, as we're about to sing, Lord, just to spend some time in, in just with you, Lord. Just let you speak, to let you stir us towards um, a, a new way, a different way. One that would please you and, 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 and bring the best outcome, Lord. So we thank you for this group. Thank you for each person here. Lord, thank you for this church and the relationships across the room. Would you keep strengthening them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.